0: And that's what our subconscious mind is designed to do, It's making our life easier so we don't have to think about things. And so if you become more aware of some of these conditions or programs that are running, but they're getting you into trouble, or they're not creating the kinds of results that you want in the world, then this is an invitation for you to turn those things around.
1: Hey guys, thanks so much for choosing this episode of The Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice, a behavioral psychology author, and I'm sharing this episode as a bonus, a feature episode, while we finish off our Controlling Mind series. The Controlling Mind series deals with the fundamental question. When you're being overlooked for opportunities due to systemic biases or being undermined for whatever reason, how do you hack minds, engineer shifts in perceptions, to ensure you are seen and valued. I can't wait to share this series with you. But today, I'm delighted to bring you a conversation about the unconscious mind's influence on burnout with the burnout doctor, Dr. Sharon Grossman from Miami, Florida. Dr. Grossman is the author of the international bestseller, The 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. She's the founder of the Exhausted to Extraordinary Model, which she'll share a little bit about. She has her own podcast, which I encourage you to go check out, called Decode Your Burnout, which you can find on all platforms. She's available to consult you, do talks, and show up as a keynote speaker. And she'll be sharing insights about how to reverse burnout, recognize if you're dangerously low and close to it, and ultimately, how to identify your personal relationship with your own capacity so you can thrive. Meet Dr. Sharon Grossman. Enjoy. So I'm with Dr. Sharon Grossman, the author of 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. And she's the host of Decode Your Burnout podcast. Welcome to the Brain and Brand Show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm totally thrilled to be here.
1: So we're going to dive into your book and... We're gonna really get a chance to get to know you a little bit. But first I wanna go inside your mind on a popular feature we have. Are you ready? Can we do that?
0: I'm ready. Let's go.
1: So these are seven questions I called inside your mind. The first one is for holiday, mountain or sea.
0: Well, <laughs> funny that you should ask that. So I actually live in Miami Beach, and I am walking distance to the ocean. So, because that's my everyday, I would probably say mountain for vacation just for a change of scenery. Okay.
1: Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so, the second one is for the best conversation around a fireplace or a pool.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Fireplace.
1: Physical book or audio book?
0: Audio book only because. I have more time to listen that way. And uh, I've got a stack this high on my nightstand of actual books that it's taken me forever to get through. So just being realistic. (laughs)
1: Lovely. So if you want a moment to escape, horse riding or ice skating? Horse riding. This one is going to be a bit interesting. I can't wait to hear your response. Kissing or hugging?
0: Ooh. (laughs) Kissing.
1: Wine or cocktail?
0: So I actually don't drink. So I would say neither.
1: (laughs) Neither. Okay. If you were forced to experience burnout for a lab experiment... Would you rather be burned out trying to become a pilot or an actress?
0: Oh, for sure. An actress. You don't want to be up in the air trying to fly (laughs) a (laughs) plane. That's not a good scenario. All
1: right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Grossman. Do you prefer I call you Dr. Grossman or Sharon?
0: Just Sharon. That's good.
1: All right, Sharon. So I appreciate your amazing work. As I've shared with you, I looking forward to diving into your own podcast and really, really doing a deep dive. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to look at the influence of the unconscious mind on burnout. But I want to go back into your own life. Have you ever experienced burnout on a personal level?
0: So I get this question a lot because every time I do a podcast and we're talking about burnout, they're like, you're a burnout coach. What's your burnout story? And I have to say that I've come across a lot of other people in my space that do similar work to what I do. And so far, I feel like I am the only one who actually has not experienced burnout who is doing this work. So typically what you'll see is somebody who experienced burnout, they've overcome it. And they're like, now I want to share my findings with other people to help them, which is totally commendable. And that's like your typical hero's journey. And my situation is completely different. And so there's a story that goes with it, of course. (laughs) So I am, I was originally trained as a psychologist. And when I was going through grad school, I actually went to the American Psychological Association's annual conference one year as a student. And I attended this one session that was led by a psychologist who had a private practice. And what he shared with us is all about this. Idea of having a private practice and the business of it and all this kind of stuff that you don't typically learn about in school. But one thing that he said really stuck with me. And that was that clinicians in private practice really burn out at alarming rates. And so I remember walking out of that session and saying, I'm not going to start a private practice. That's not going (laughs) to be me. Right. Like that was my takeaway. I was like, no. And then fast forward, I graduate from school and I start working at a nonprofit. And I'd been there for a couple of years. And then I kind of reached a ceiling where there was nowhere further for me to go. And I started to look outside the organization for where am I going to go next? And the thing that I lead with all of my decisions is the value of lifestyle. That's always been really important to me. And so as I started to look at all these different options that existed out there, none of them really met my criteria in terms of the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to have. It would either require long hours, nights and weekends, a long commute. I was like, I'm not getting on like any bridges or tunnels. Like there's just like all these things that were just making it impossible for me to find the next thing. So what that brought me to is the only option that really was left is to start a private practice, of course. Okay. And so I said to myself, well, if I'm <laughs> going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Okay. And then I found a space that was walking distance from my gym. And I set up my hours such that I started at a reasonable t- time in the morning I saw my morning patients, I then went to the gym, I worked out, I had a nice lunch break, and then I came back and I saw my afternoon patients, I did all my notes, and I went home at a reasonable hour. So all of that was really affording me this ability to do my work on my own terms, and to not feel okay. burned out. And so, um so that happened. And I kind of put that aside of like, okay, yes, like I found the success factor. And that's cool. But then as I started working with my own patients, I noticed that a lot of them were highly stressed out, tons of anxiety, depression, all these kinds of things. And I started to research burnout. I decided that I wanted to really dive into the subject. I didn't really know much about it. Um, I decided I was going to write a book. And so I needed to start to see what had other people written about. And this is pre-COVID. So this is around 2018. And at that time... The only things that were really written on the subject were things related to organizational burnout and what the organization should do to minimize the effects of stress on their workers. Okay. And okay. I thought and I thought, well, you know, that's great except if I'm in that organization, I'm going to sit around and wait for my organization to make some changes? Like, that's so disempowering. And I thought, I have to write something that is for the workers. I have to write something that empowers people about what they can do to help themselves so that they can manage their stress better and prevent burnout, if possible, and if they are burned out, to really know how to get back on their feet. So that kind of brings us to
1: all of this. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a muse, though? Are you inspired by someone you've worked with, physicians, all sorts of professionals. You know, when I write, I'm constantly thinking about the 28-year-old professional who potentially needs insights into their brain to give them a competitive advantage, to reduce microaggressions. When I produce this podcast, there's a certain sort of archetype I have in mind. Mm-hmm. In fact, I do have, I shouldn't I should mention their name right now, but I do sort of have somebody in mind Who I'm speaking to, even though I know it reaches a broad range of people from 30 countries, et cetera. Mm. Do you have someone in mind who you want as that individual to listen to you and read your work?
0: Yeah. So when I was writing the book, I was really writing it for people in high stress industries. So you've got the workers who are like in medicine in particular. I work with a lot of physicians and nurses. So people who, and this is, like I said, pre COVID, so we didn't know what was coming, but mm. for, for sure, mm. it came in handy once COVID arrived because that the whole healthcare industry just got so incredibly yeah. stressed out and burned out. So, um, healthcare professionals for sure. And then I work with a lot of executives. And one thing that's been really interesting in this calendar year is that the people who have been coming forward to work with me, recently have been male executives in their fifties who are burned out because they're navigating their personal and work responsibilities. And they're really looking towards their sixties and they're trying to figure out about retirement and, you know, what's next and maybe like how to take care of the responsibilities now but also have a life and, um, and maybe like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so like all of these kinds of issues have come up. So it's been really interesting to kind of see how the demographics keep changing in terms of like, who, who is stepping forward to do this work.
1: I see. I I see it as well. And if you're listening and you're 25 or 55 or whatever age you are and wherever you are, I do feel like with this disrupted world, And everybody needs to hear this conversation. So stay locked in, guys. You know, part of, I've been asking around. I asked friends of mine, I asked colleagues, what do you want Dr. Grossman to answer for you? So here are a couple of questions that others, one of them is the U.S. Department of Commerce Director of Sub-Saharan Africa. One of them is a musician. And they wanted to know, how do you even know if you've experienced burnout?
0: Yeah. And that's a common question that is a great place to start. And so what I like to say is that burnout first and foremost is chronic stress. And so what we have to think about is stress on a continuum where it starts from acute stress and then it becomes more chronic. And then eventually we see burnout on board and that can be like a mild, moderate or severe version. And with each nuance of that on the spectrum, You see different presentations, but the kind of global symptoms that we're looking for are exhaustion, typically more of a mental, emotional rather than a physical exhaustion. And that's to be differentiated from the kind of fatigue and low energy that you experience when you're depressed. Because the difference is if you're feeling that in your work, and then I pull you out And I bring you into another setting, like you mentioned before, going on vacation and we go to the mountains, right? All of a sudden you have all this energy. But when you're depressed, it doesn't matter where I plug you in, you still feel low energy. You still feel drained and exhausted. So, so it's really about like that brain fog and the just not being able to get yourself to go to work and do the work that you want to do, even when you're there, right? So that's, that's a a big, big sign for people to figure out as like, something's changed. Like, I'm just feeling completely drained. I'm feeling totally exhausted. And, and, and that's like a big, um, aha moment for people. In addition, we also see that people's attitudes change. They become more cynical, more negative, more, Pessimistic, more resentful. So all of this negativity comes on board and maybe you're not that kind of a person typically, but in this particular situation, it's almost like you can't help yourself. Like you've just absorbed as much as you can and it's taken everything out of you. And this is what's left. Got it. And finally Ah. we see the, the lowered productivity. We see that people are just not as efficient. And that's because they're not able to focus and they've lost often their confidence and their motivation because they're in that negative state and they don't have the energy. So all of these things come together where you feel like I, I'm not getting as much done. And then what people do is they say, well, then I still have to get these things done. So then they're working longer hours but they have less to show for it. And so all of that is very frustrating because the more you do that, the more it's robbing you of time from your personal life. And then you really don't have the opportunity to recover. So you're kind of stuck in this negative pattern. You can't break out of it. You know, it's like you want to get the work done and you're just physically, mentally, emotionally incapable of doing it the way that you would like. It's taking you longer. It's then meaning that you don't have more of, what you need to actually recover and be able to bounce back and get back into the work. And so, um, yeah, people get kind of stuck in this paradigm.
1: You're in Miami, uh, based in Miami. I'm always in, in I'm always inspired to have conversations around how spaces influence our unconscious mind, which can ultimately lead to burnout. I mean, if you're in a really big city like a Miami, how does the environment sort of impact your unconscious mind and then ultimately lead you to burnout?
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring up the city because I usually think about environment affecting you from the perspective of the space that you're working out of, right? So your desk yes. and the room that you're in and who is around you. Uh, who do you interact with and what is their emotional and psychological state? Because what we know is that when we come in, in contact with other people, if they're negative, that's going to be contagious. And if you're, you know, if they're positive, then that's going to perhaps be contagious. So that all of that really affects you. But, um, it's interesting. I never really thought about it from the grander perspective of like the city that you're in. And I think that's because regardless of where you're in, you know, in terms of like a place to live, um, you create that micro environment inside wherever it is that you live, right? So and now we're seeing so many people do their work remotely, and travel around the world and constantly pick up and go. So as long as you know how to create that space for yourself, where you don't have a lot of clutter, where things are nice and organized, where perhaps you're utilizing the different senses to create um, a more relaxing and supportive environment. So lighting and, um, perhaps aromatherapy, maybe some music, right? If you're using the environment internally, that can, um, That those are things you have control over. We don't always have control over where we live externally, right? So what city you're in, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. With COVID and everybody moving around, we're actually seeing more people taking control over that as well. And I think the biggest thing is not how it affects you while you're working, but what happens when you leave work and then you go into that environment because you're absorbing all of that. And then you bring all that energy into your work the next day. So if you're in a really stressful environment, and by that, what I mean is that you perceive it to be stressful, because for somebody else, it might be amazing, right? Like, I live in Miami Beach. So I love it here. But for somebody else, it might be like the most horrible place to live. Right? Like, we all have different needs. So it's really very personal, Right, We can't say like, this is good, this is bad. It's totally about the individual, what their needs are, what their preferences are, and how their brain interprets those situations, those circumstances, and and whether it translates that into something that's stressful or something that allows them to enjoy themselves and relax.
1: Well, I love those controls. And I love that perspective, especially when you look at your immediate sort of environment, if you've got... Toys around you and toys work to trigger something beautiful and delightful and positive and give you a dopamine effect. That's your world. I completely get that. And I appreciate, you know, the world is going through extraordinary disruption at the moment and challenges where people feel like they are distable, you know, you know, like completely like they have zero control. Like we don't know if there's going to be a war. We don't know if our president is going to be around. I like the idea that focus on your own space in your own environment. If you feel like that you're dipping towards the lower end where you're getting dangerously low, if you think about your phone, is it now gone from, you know, being charged full to halfway to that point where you could be getting to a point where your phone could be shutting off? If you're about to be shut down and shut off, how do you know? Are there any signs? Um, you know, like you said earlier, yes, you become more irritable and all this sort of thing into a negative state. But are there other sort of red flags where, you know, I need to take this seriously?
0: It's a really good question. And I would say that it manifests differently for everybody. Um, And not everybody gets all the way down into the severe mode. I mean, certainly as stress becomes more chronic and if we're not managing it appropriately, it can get worse over time. But, um, what I can share is that there is a model of burnout and I'm just looking, looking for the image to share. This is, um, this is from Freudenberger and North. Freudenberger was the person who actually coined the term burnout. And for those okay. of you watching the video, I'm just showing this is, um, an, a figure from my book that shows his 12 steps and I'll just, quickly read what he says. So step one, he has 12, right? Step one is the compulsion to prove yourself.
1: Oh, wow. And that's,
0: that's really the entry point into burnout for, for a lot of folks. It's this notion that in order for me to, you know, it really comes back to what is important to me. What's important for me is that other people perceive me to be doing my work, or to be doing amazing work, right? So it's like, I have to prove that I can do this, and that I can do it really well. And so the more and and, and it's, it's not anything bad to want to prove yourself. But notice the wording that he uses here, he uses the word compulsion. So it's not Let's like see. the desire or the tendency, but it's, there's a compulsion about it. And compulsion, mm is half of the um, ingredient, if you will, of the recipe for OCD, right? It's All obsessions right. and compulsions. So compulsions yes. are behaviors that we can't resist. And when we are absolutely bought into this model that I have to do this, I don't have a choice, I have to do this, then we're going to keep showing up no matter what, no matter how tired we are, And how much sacrifice we have to give in order to get it done. Right. So, this is where it starts. And then we've got 11 more stages after that. Right. So, you can imagine. You
1: know, well, this is, is, I want to transition to your book, The 70 Solutions. Let's just take one step out for a moment and look back in. You know, as an author, a writer, a researcher, what did this book do for you?
0: Mm. So good. So, you know, I, I really wanted to write a book because I've been doing my, my work as a psychologist for about 20 years and I've been, wor- and I'm a very active person in the room. So like I'm working with somebody and, you know, and, I, and I've since talked to other people who've been to therapy and a lot of them talk about how, you know, it's this thing where they're doing all the talking and they just come in and out week after week and there's no continuity and they're not really achieving much. And I was like, that's definitely not how I like to do things. So when somebody comes to work with me, we are very focused. I'm like on top of them. I hold them accountable. We talk about goals, right? Like there's a lot of direction and focus in the room. And so when I decided that uh, I was going to put a book together, I really wanted to take all of these resources that I've been sharing with my clients and find a way to systematize the into like a step-by-step process for them to help them solve their problem. And I'm like, how can I bring this all together? So I started just kind of reading what other people have been writing about. I started reading the research. What what are the findings? What are the areas that people are talking about? And then thinking about people that I've worked with and how I've helped them and what kind of tools have been helpful and kind of like bringing it all together. Right. And so that was kind of how I birthed this book, and it it kind of emerged over time. And people often ask me about the title. It's called The 7E Solution to Burnout. And that was just kind of something that emerged through this process. So as I was doing all this research, I started to notice that a lot of the concepts that were coming up started with the letter E. We had emotional intelligence. We had things like engagement, because when you're burned out, your engagement goes down. We had things like efficacy, which is your belief in your ability to do something, something that is negatively affected when you're burned out because you notice your productivity going down and you might say to yourself, I used to be able to do this there's something wrong with me. I don't know what it is, right? But yeah. that's what we said yeah. gets you in that loop. Um, Energy, effort, like all of these things started with the letter E. And so that's how it all kind of came together into this seven E solution. Um, And what was even more fun is when we think about where do we start out, right? What do we talk about in terms of a flagship symptom is exhaustion, which also starts with the letter E. And so it came out that, you know, if you... If you sandwich these seven E's between where you start and where you want to be, it ended up being from exhausted to extraordinary. And that's essentially, that's the name of, that's the name of my program. And that's what I help people do. I help them go from exhausted to extraordinary, meaning that they stop freaking out and they stop checking out, and I show them how to manage their mind, optimize their time, and change their relationship to themselves so that they can feel amazing without the overwhelm.
1: Do you do coaching internationally online?
0: Yes. All of my coaching is virtual, and I see people from all over the world.
1: Oh, wow. Lovely. I want to go back quickly to the unconscious effect because... I know in my own life, I get into these spaces where I'm writing, researching, you know, there's family challenges, all sorts of stuff is happening without me realizing it's kind of flying under the radar. Mm -hmm. Are there ways to put systems in place to sort of guard the effects of these kind of subtle unconscious effects? And just let's talk a little bit more about the unconscious role in burnout,
0: yeah. So um, if you, if you tune into my podcast, decode your burnout, this is exactly what we do is people come on, they share their burnout story. And my job is to listen out for these three contributing factors. The first of which really answers your question, which is your programming. This is a lot of where your unconscious or subconscious stuff really comes into play because this is what conditions you to show up in a way which may feel Like is not a choice, is not even in your awareness or in your control. You just are conditioned to show up in this way because of your early life experiences. So examples of that, of people that have been on the show and they've shared, you know, I'll ask them like, where did you get this idea that you have to work so hard? And they'll say, well, my dad had really strong work ethic. And so I grew up in this mm. family where I really saw my dad just work really long hours and spend time with clients on nights and weekends or travel a lot for work or whatever it was, right? So those kinds of exposures uh, sometimes will then seep in and they're like, oh, that's important. I have to do that too. Or it could be that you grow up in a family where there's this expectation that you do everything perfectly. And so you're molded to be this perfectionist. Or sometimes I've actually seen people who become perfectionists because they're trying to compensate for something in their childhood. So when they're growing up, maybe they have a mom who's an alcoholic and they think to themselves, if I'm a really good girl and I do everything perfectly, maybe mommy will feel better. Maybe she'll get uh, over her problem, and everything is going to be normal, right?
1: Yes, um, and so
0: yes. from a very young age, we're taking on of, all of these adult responsibilities. So by the time we're adults, this is just second nature, we don't even think about it, right? We don't know how to mm. be any other way. Yes. So we've got all of these all of these programs that are running in the background that are really subconscious. And if you think about what your subconscious mind really is um, supposed to be doing is taking a lot of stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis and making it easier for us. It's automating all of our behavior so that we don't have to think about every single thing that we do. Because if we had to think about everything that we do throughout the day, we wouldn't get as much done we would be totally overwhelmed. Right? So it's just kind of, it's kind of like, think about how it was when you first learned how to drive. I remember when I was behind the wheel of a car for the first time, or when I was taking those lessons. How old
1: were you? How old were you? 15. Okay. Same year.
0: Right. I remember taking those lessons and then I was like, wait, what? I have to look in the mirror and signal and turn and press the, the pedal and then have the break. Like I was like, what is happening? Like there's too many yeah. things. And now yeah. of course I can get from point A to point B. And I'm like, I don't even know how I got here. Cause it's so automated.
1: Okay. Got right.
0: It. And that's what our subconscious mind is designed to do is making our life easier. So we don't have to think about things, but it's, basically taken things that it thinks we want and made those things automatic. But sometimes it's things that don't serve us or maybe they're things that used to serve us once upon a time and they don't serve us now. And so if you become more aware of some of these conditions or programs that are running, but they're getting you into trouble or they're not creating the kinds of results that you want in the world then this is an invitation for you to turn those things around.
1: Wow. Well, I'm going to ask you in a moment a couple power strategies to turn those things around. But first, I want to, I want to know what happens if you are addicted to the release you get when you become burned out? So I have seen over the years that people can become addicted to unhealthy results, People can become addicted to burnout and the dopamine effect and some of the chemical releases you get. It's like, why do people enjoy cutting themselves? They become addicted to the feeling of pain. And so, what happens if somebody, you know, they they fall flat and they hate themselves for it, but they 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 falling this, to this addictive cycle of going, I need to get to burnout before I feel successful. I need to get to burnout before, and it's destroying their lives, but they're addicted to it.
0: So what I would say is that addiction implies that there is some sort of dopamine on board. And what I would say is yes. that it's not that people are addicted to burnout because burnout doesn't give you a release. I think people are burnout are... are Addicted to all kinds of other behaviors that uh, lead to burnout. Got it. Right. So we talked about that compulsion to prove yourself. Mm. That's kind of step one of the 12 stages of burnout, according to Freudenberger and North. Right. And so maybe I'm addicted to the success that I get when I produce something at work. But what that requires of me is to keep putting in more time. And then I don't have time to exercise and meditate and do any sort of self care. And so the cost of that compulsion may mean that I'm burning out as a result. Now, nobody wants to burn out. That's not fun to be burned out. But I think we don't think about the consequences because we're so in the here and now in terms of like, I want to get this now. It's that urgency to get what you want in this moment. It's that instant gratification, right? I need this. I, we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves these things. Like we need these things all the time when in fact Mm. it's things that we want. You actually don't need any of it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful and productivity i mean that's important right but knowing where to draw the line and being able to tune into yourself in terms of where is you you mentioned before this analogy to a battery like a phone battery which i often use as well tuning into yourself even though you don't have that visual that you have on your phone you know if you look at your phone at any one time it'll have a visual and it'll say between zero and 100%, how much charge you have left. We don't have that. We don't have that visual. We have to tune into ourselves to figure out what that number is. And that's an exercise that I often take my clients through. I'll have them close their eyes, take a deep breath, and tune into their body. And I said, on a scale of zero to 10, or zero to 100, where is your battery right now? How much charge do you have in this moment? And And it's pretty good because most of them are able to tune into that and they'll say, I'm a 20% and say, okay, if you were your phone, or if you had a phone that had 20% charge, what would you do? And say, well, I would plug it in. Wow. So that's an indication of what you need to do for yourself, right? It's so easy for us to take a piece of technology and say like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Because we have we've been conditioned to think in these ways of, oh, okay there's a visual. It's telling me this. I know that if I don't do this, it's going to run out of juice and then I'm not going to be able to use it. And I really want my phone. But we don't think about if I don't plug myself in, I'm not going to be able to come back and do this work. Right. We don't think in those terms. And that's like the new programming that we need to take on board is not just what we can produce for other people and how we can do things to please others. And it's not about making things perfect. It's about both. How can you have both? How can you be successful at work and have a life?
1: Got it. Why does it
0: have to be either or, right? But in order to have both, you have to be strategic. You have to be intentional. And when I told you that story about how I, started that private practice, but I said I was going to do it smart. That's an example of how you can have both. I had my practice. I saw my patients. I showed up to work every day, ready to go with tips and strategies for them. And then I showed up for my family after work, energized and excited because I was taking time in the middle of the day to go to the gym and I wasn't working excessive hours And I, you know, I built things in, you have to bake these things into your day. And the biggest mistake that people often make is they'll say, well, I don't have time for that. And, and I always say, if you don't have time for self-care, you're doing it all wrong because you're waiting until you've checked all the other boxes and done everything for everyone else before you put anything into your own tank. That's, That doesn't work, right? You can't do that. If it was a, we think in terms of, you know, like I said, the phone analogy people can relate to, or even like with your car, if you want to go from point A to point B, you need to have gas in your tank. (laughs) And if you don't, your, your car's not going to get you there, right? So these are things that are very immediate. And I think with our bodies and our minds, it's not as immediate. So we keep pushing the envelope and we keep saying, well, you know, I could, I could do it a little bit more. I could do another day. I don't have to take that vacation, but then we get to a point where it's like, then we can't even function if we want to, and we don't have to push so hard that we get to a point where we're just completely offline. So rather than being like all in or all out, let's find something that is a healthy medium, so that we can show up, do good work, and enjoy our lives. Like That's what I believe is the best model for being in this world.
1: So if we had to put, I like to put what I call design features into my life. One design feature could be some sort of writing that I put on the wall as a reminder or some sort of You know, thriving affirmation. One could be a notification in my phone that on Fridays, I'm going to look to charge or I'm going to communicate to my family that I need to recharge. So how do we design the space into my life? What sort of design effects would you recommend so that people weave this into their life? It's a lifestyle solution so they don't have to think about it. They don't have to remind themselves. They are prompted and primed to recharge?
0: So there's not really one thing. And I would say, you know, what I mentioned earlier is on my podcast, I'm looking at three different contributing factors. One of which we talked about, which is programming. Second is your environmental stressors. And third is what I call your personality or burnout profile. And the reason that I focus on decoding burnout is because burnout shows up differently for everybody. and okay. It's not a one-size-fits-all problem, and it's also not a one-size-fits-all solution. And so I I, I'm very into personalizing the recovery strategy based on what got you there, because what got you burned out can be very different from what got 10 other people burned out. For some people, it's because they are filled with negativity. And for those people, we have to focus on priming their brain to be more positive, For other people, it might be that they're these people pleasers and they're trying to make everybody happy, but they're putting their own needs on the back burner. And for those people, we have to work on things like boundaries and learning to say no. And then there's the people who are compulsively taking on more, 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 and they're never satisfied because they feel like nothing they do is ever enough. That compulsion to prove is so strong. And those people need to learn to prioritize and to slow down. So there's so many different solutions based on what the original struggle is that's bringing you to this place of chronic stress and burnout.
1: Got it. I've seen people ask an accountability partner to remind them to do a check, or some put some sort of system in place to remind you on your personal journey where you Need to address the fact that you're prone to burnout. You're prone to these things. You need some sort of system in place to kind of check yourself at some interval. And what I appreciate about your process is that you do make it personal, that you're not trying to just sort of inspire people to overtake this one size fits all. And so I'm looking forward to people getting your book and sharing their feedback. Um, do Do you have an audio version app? you had a chance to read your own book uh, for the (laughs) audio version? Can we get e-book? How do we access your book in different parts of the world?
0: Great question. So actually, I had to take my book off of Amazon recently because I'm in talks right now with a traditional publisher. And once we get that underway, we will create an audio book and we will be translating it into multiple languages. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, I've got lots of resources on my website, including a burnout checklist, which I always invite people to download if they're kind of wondering, am I burned out? What should I be focusing on? So you can access that at drsharongrossman.com forward slash burnout checklist. I always invite people to tune into the podcast because you'll learn all kinds of things related to burnout that can be super helpful in terms of changing mindsets, in terms of strategies that could be useful. And then of course, I invite those who are listening and they're just ready to do the work. They're like, yes, that's totally me. I'm burned out. I, I really want to figure out what I can do about it to book a chat with me. And I offer these free dial back your stress breakthrough sessions. So for people who are interested in that, they can go to bookachatwithsharon.com and I'm happy to talk to you. And what I do on those calls is I actually look at exactly what's going on for you and provide you with my personal recommendations on what you need to focus on in order to move the needle. And then you can take those recommendations and run with them on your own. Or if you decide you want to work with me to focus on those, then we can talk about how I can help as well.
1: Dr. Sharon Grossman, thank you so much for joining us on the Brain and Brand Show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Timothy. It's been super fun.